0: Okay, would you mind introducing yourself for the audience, please?
1: Yeah, I'm Amy Jury. I am a painter. I live in Brighton on the south coast of England. And I guess I'm known mostly for my um, paintings from vintage photographs and old home movies. Um, And... um, Yeah, I mean, I've been through a few little phases. I also do a lot of portrait painting and I've been on Portrait Artist of the Year. So um, I've kind of got that side to me as well. But I think the thing that's coming through strongest in the last couple of years is these, um, yeah, mostly um, quite highly brightly coloured figurative paintings, um, trying to explore um, relationships between people and gestures and our own cultural identity.
2: I was reading a bit about you, Amy, and you were you trained as a printmaker, maker? Is that right? Yeah. And you had that moment where you found some old canvases in a charity shop mm-hmm. and decided to paint over them. Can you describe that transition from printmaking into painting?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, painting was always like my big love. Like I wanted to be, a, you know, an artist and a painter. And what happened was I applied to go to um, Foundation in Campbell in London and I didn't get in. And the reason I didn't get in was because I really wasn't very interested in doing work at that point in time in my life. So, you know, I didn't make a very good submission. Um, but I kind of gave up on the whole idea at that point. And, um, uh, but then when I did get round to going to Foundation, I went to Foundation in Belfast in the end, and then someone in my um, – in my class was sending their portfolio to Glasgow, and I was like, I really want to go to Glasgow. That's like my favourite art school. It's got all these great people who have went have been there. So I tied my portfolio to um, to theirs because it was cheaper. And when it came to ticking the box, I looked at painting and I thought, oh, I'm never going to get into painting. Oh, I tick printmaking because you know I liked that when I did that in foundation. So yeah, and then I got into printmaking, and that was the the path that was um, that was set. So yeah, I did lots of screen printing. And so I've I've always done lots of drawing, um, and printing. And then I kind of got into textile stuff, you know, and I really just didn't go back to painting at all. Uh, Um, and yeah, it was, I, I'm a teacher now as well. I'm an art teacher. So, um, I had the, um, the whisper of a job that was coming up, um, like head of department of this really cool, uh, college to teach art. And, um, I thought, ah, I really want that job, but I'm going to need to teach painting because it's a really big thing. It's a really strong painting tradition in this place. Um, So I'll go to a couple of evening classes and I'll get my skills up um, and then I'll be able to apply for this job. Um, So, yeah, I I went to a couple of evening classes and I bought some, yeah, bought some really horrible canvases in a charity shop. Would you like these? Do you know when you get like those horrible printed photographs and it's all like they're all kind of shiny? Mm. Yeah, um, I bought some of those and... I thought oh what 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 am I gonna paint on them um I wanted to paint people and figures that's what I, what I was really interested in but I didn't know how to, to go about that so I thought I'll just I'll paint some pictures from my 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 old family album mm-hmm. and um yeah those paintings I really enjoyed painting them and, and I still got them actually that I, I haven't ever got rid of those three paintings because um I still really like them um and uh, yeah and that kind of started it really um, and then yeah I got this job I started teaching people painting learning about painting thinking about painting more um, and um, yeah that was about cool. seven years ago six or seven years ago.
2: So where where do you work where do you teach?
1: I teach at a big six-form college called Vandeen College in Brighton and it's so it's a big state college so I'm teaching like 16 to 18 year olds. Great
2: do you enjoy it?
1: I do. I really like yeah. it. It's it's, yeah. it's it's a really really rewarding job, and the studio is amazing. It's this big sort of like old 1930s art department with big glass wow. ceiling, and you know it's really cool. Um, so yeah, I'm re- I'm really happy there. But you know, obviously now I'm I'm doing a lot of painting, and I want to do a lot of painting. So I'm having to like divide my life quite strategically, and that's that's not always easy.
2: No, and we've talked to quite a lot of artists about that and I'm in a similar position, I teach as well but sort of independently um, and online as well and it's this balancing act um, between things how one is able to sort of keep the painting fire burning whilst also doing those other things. How, How are you finding that? What are you doing to to keep that balance
1: well i mean i've gone down to three days a week now um and I so when i've got my other two days of the week um you know and i've got and there's a weekend as well but there always seems to be stuff stuff seems to happen all the time gets in the way but i think um in a way i'm quite good at being um busy so when you're busy you kind of you you've got to make use of the time that you you have so when i finish work and i've got my first day of um of freedom i know all right i've got to do something i've got to make it count i can't mess about here so you know in a way in a way i wonder if it's helpful you know because mm. it means that you know you've got this little window of time that, and and you've got you can't you can't lose it yes yeah um we yeah. talked
2: in our last episode with andrew farmer about this who was a, a school teacher an art school teacher and he transitioned into becoming a professional painter. And and we talked about that thing sometimes, whether one needs you know something else. And I certainly do. I mm-hmm. find that um, if I was just to paint all day, every day, I would get a little bit um, stir crazy in a sense, or I would lose my focus. So by teaching it, it's that space away and being involved with and helping other people With their work I kind of learn a lot from that process which then in turn helps me with mine do you find that
1: uh definitely definitely um and you know just that opportunity to to be with other people and to socialize Mm -hmm. with people and to talk I think I'd forget how to talk if I just painted all the time yeah um and in a way I kind of I'm really curious to know how that feels like I I would like to do that one day just to just be able to just really go for it Mm -hmm. and to be able to paint all day and every day and to go with that but but I don't think that time is quite yet but it might be you know might be in a new time yeah Yeah.
2: and and it's interesting with that because artists their practice is solitary kind Mm. of by nature and you know it is good and and I've had times where I was sort of pretty much solitary with it apart from couple of well one morning and one afternoon a week and I really found those times I often think you know I, I don't want to go on and just carry on doing this in this kind of moment but as soon as I went I, I get filled with this lovely kind of energy of being around people which would then sustain me for another four or five days um, so I think the complete isolation is is a little bit too much mm. yeah um I, talk and, I want to talk about your work a bit because it's it's so interesting. And I, I was watching some of your YouTube videos, and the the one on Photoshop, and, <laughs> and how you use that. And I find it really interesting how you sort of you, you're a painter, but you are you know your source material and a lot of your tools are a different medium, this photographic medium. Did it come from that moment where you decided to? look for your family photo albums or, or were you always interested in in that crossover
1: uh yeah well, it's i only sort of realized recently that actually i was doing exactly the same thing when i did my my degree in printmaking so i ended up doing um silk screen and i was using photographs and i was using found photographs um with other imagery mingled in you know big flat blocks of color And so I was like, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing exactly what I I didn't really, really realise that until recently is that I'm still really doing the same thing, interested in the same thing. Um, So I don't really know why, where that has come from or why that is, but it is, um, does seem to be something I'm getting stronger and stronger attached to. Like I run a course now um, that I do at West Dean, which is like painting from photographs. And I do an online course as well, which is painting from photographs. And so I'm sort of like the more I think about it and the more I talk about it and get into it, um, yeah, I just find it so, so interesting. And um, I've, I've kind of moved a little bit away from using kind of classic photography. Now. Like when I first started, I was using actually like well-known photographer's work until I kind of worked out what copyright was and yeah. then <laughs> decided to maybe not do that. But funnily enough, the, the the photographer that I did use, loads of his work, because I loved it so much, was this guy called Nick Hedges, who's like this social documentary photographer. Uh, painted, uh, photographs lots of people in kind of 1960s Glasgow and, and Manchester. Um, and I was obsessed by his photographs and I was painting them all the time. And I wrote to him telling him, oh, thank you for your photographs. Uh, I've done these all these paintings of them. And um, he said, ah, well, uh, you know, we could have a problem here. Because, um, because of copyright. And I was like, what do you mean? What's this? What, what do you mean? <laughs> and um, But luckily, he turned around and said, um, don't worry. I think your painting is great. And he sent me a signed book and it's it was wow. fine. And actually, one of those paintings is now on the front cover of a, of a book in Italy. They just published it like a classic awesome. novel thing. And so I've had to make sure, you know, I, and I just make sure that I cite him in every, mm. you know, whenever I, those paintings come up. Mm. Um, but yeah, what, what I've kind of moved into more now is um I've found out more about copyright since, so I'm much more careful now. And um also what I do is, is when I'm using other people's photographs, I think I'm you know, it's definitely not a portrait, you know, it's not a picture of that person. It's more a something about the scene, something about the figures, something about how they relate to each other. So I kind of think. I hope that's okay and I hope that that doesn't sort of bother anybody um, yeah. and what what I've been doing more of lately is watching home movies like, you know there's these huge banks and archives where people keep their home home movies that you're allowed to watch in libraries um and freeze framing from those videos just I feel gives me more um, more agency I suppose over the mm-hmm. image. Um, and more choice for myself. And that's brought up so many interesting pictures. I mean, in a way, they're not as... Because, like, Nick Hedges' photographs are already beautiful. They're already brilliantly composed. They're already brilliantly contrasted, darks and lights. And, you know, of course it's going to make a great painting. It's all there already. Um, so when you're choosing from, like, um, you know, maybe more um, indistinct or badly taken photographs or home movies where everything's a little bit blurry and kind of bit strange they're not quite as maybe um fully formed as these famous photographs are but I quite I'm enjoying yeah. finding my way around those and I do use photoshop to move elements around and mm. you know I change the colors dramatically usually anyway so yes yeah, that's fun. great and
2: I, I love that idea of the process it takes me back when I was um I can't remember how old I was but I would like watch on the VHS and be at home. And I can remember the movie Platoon of all all movies as as a kid and freezing it and then doing paintings based on sort of guys being shot and all of this (laughs) kind of stuff, you know. Um, But there seems to be with that, I mean, it must be such a goldmine for you when you go and look at these home movies because each frame is, is going to be different and, and just looking through it. And I guess also the, the kind of the glitchy elements mm-hmm. of it when, when you freeze it. So you go and spend time in, in libraries looking at them, or what's your process? Well,
1: they're all online now, so you can just mm-hmm. sit at home going through your lives. And what, what's really nice as well is obviously I've been using mostly my local Sussex library, so I'm watching movies of people who lived around here you know, in this air kind of area. And that's really nice. That feels like more of a personal connection. And, um, yeah, that sometimes the movies are, they're usually not great quality, especially, you know, go 60s and, and, and before then. And quite often they've got really dramatic colour casts on them, like they're all blues or they're all reds. But that's quite interesting because that gives me ideas sometimes. Um, so, yes. oh, okay, this is a kind of red painting maybe, or this is going to work. Or even a lot of them are black and white and um, that's quite a nice thing to work from because then you've kind of got a freedom of imagination to, to think about the colours after that. Yeah, and I like so, all those kind of burn marks and, you know, the yeah. effects that happen.
2: So are your colours also sort of influenced by that? You know, that they're influenced by film or, or um, those kind of effects?
1: Yeah, I mean, they have been. I've definitely used those ideas um, in some, some paintings before, um, and I do really enjoy them, especially I think, you know, I've got quite quite a few where they're all soaked in red, and red and orange seems to be quite a big theme of, of a lot of my paintings the last couple of years. So I think that has, yeah, has affected. Great.
2: Simon, do you have a question?
0: Yeah, well, along the lines of what we're discussing at the moment, the painting behind you uh, beautiful I love the way that you use colour and I wanted to know is it because I assume that you've used a pink ground colour for that piece with it being behind so many of the characters is that something that the film informs or did you do you kind of have favourites as far as the radiance of the colour behind it or is there something which leads to that choice and then you start to build the image after the fact?
1: Yeah, it's it's, um, it's all part of the sort of initial decision-making process of what is going to be the background colour. And I think that comes from my screen printing days where you have to know about these kind of layers in advance and what's happening. Um, so I always just kind of think like that. I just think, right, okay, there's going to be this block colour down. There. It's not always a block colour. Sometimes I have kind of multiple colours or, or, or textured kind of backgrounds, but um, the background is, is important. And the way I choose them is it's, it's not actually there's no real logic to it to be honest you know it might be because I've seen something in the film that just think that's that's the strong color here that's the color I need to bring forward it's uh, quite often is because I've looked at other people's paintings and I, I do copy other artists And when I say I copied them it really is just quite often it's the color palette that they've used and um, so you know I'm not trying to repaint their painting but I'm like oh I really like how you've used used these certain colours in this kind of way here Um, and I try and bring it into my paintings and 100% of the time it will not stay like that as the painting develops something else will come in it will change but it's a really good place to to start especially when you're not quite sure how to start with colour I just think well find something it could be a painting or it could be you know something in nature or you know your your curtains next to your sofa or whatever it is you know but a certain point to start with your palette and yeah mostly that's That's other people's paintings, to be honest. Instagram's, uh, you know, a a wealth of of inspiration.
2: Yeah, and it it kind of feeds that. I often get it as well, where I'll see the colour pen. I'm just like, you know, I love that. And it can be completely different to what I paint in my style, but there's just something about it. And I think, going back to that thing of sort of borrowing or stealing or copying or whatever, I mean, it's you know it's all visual art it's very much like music and you know musicians are always borrowing little riffs but yeah. doing it their their own way and and sort of building upon it mm-hmm. um talking about color and we often ask the, our artists says, do you have a specific color palette that you use or does it alternate no i don't have a specific palette um
1: it'll be whatever I need for that painting um like for instance I was just looking at that one behind me and I start with acrylic paint usually and then go on to oils sometimes I just continue with acrylic sometimes I just get kind of carried away and suddenly I've made a whole acrylic painting um and I love acrylic paint but usually I'll introduce oils and so I'll start with either a flat color or a a kind of two-tone colours or sometimes um, some stuff with some more drips or texture in them. I quite like um, stencils. So something's happening in the background. And then when I work on top of it, either most of that will get obliterated or quite a lot of it will stay through various elements of the painting. Um, I've always liked that effect. Um, I'm not sure why. You know, something about the unfinishedness of it, the incompleteness, the... Um, I don't know, the humanness of, of a painting and it's even it's, it's more emphasised even when you have areas that are kind of maybe unfinished or um, hiccups, you know.
2: Absolutely, So sort of unresolved
1: as well. And,
2: and I love your painterly style because I mean, you, you can kind of see the layers in it, but then, and I guess it's with the oil paint mainly on the top, you have this lovely expressive brushwork, which Again, I think it goes back to that idea of you working from photographs or from visual media that you're very much making it your own language on top of it. Um, do, do you prefer oil for making those painterly marks?
1: I do, I do tend to use oil mostly and I, and I love um, the kind of textures that you can get with it and the way that somehow weirdly you can sometimes manage to paint, a, you know, an orange on top of a green and you can still see both of the colors and it's all, I don't know, something's all happening and you can get thin washes and, and the thick impasto and you can make yeah. those sorts of differences. Nice. But like I say, I have done, um, I do really like acrylic as well. I like, I like the, obviously the fast drying, nature when you're using it in quite thin layers you can really um get a lot done quickly which I quite like so I'm I'm always like I'm quite snappy you know I like to 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 get things done quite quickly
2: and seeing your work as well you have these sort of areas of what look like print (laughs) you know you've got almost like wallpapery elements but these these sort of patterned areas does that come from your printmaking, or is it references that you're finding in the images you're looking at is it a device
1: i guess it's kind of a device i've always kind of liked that um um you know the effect of pattern in paintings and the way that backgrounds can leak into foregrounds and um pattern can show that really well and i've always enjoyed a, um, a stripy dress or a, a flowery top or something like that in painting is just so fun so yeah i just started um collecting stencils a while ago you know just these basic stencils you buy from like amazon for people use them i guess to stencil on their chest of drawers or whatever and so i've got loads of those to choose from and i've done quite a few paintings now where I've, that's a lot of the background is kind of understanding where i, I think roughly those that, that element will go and then doing lots of Stencils and quite often I'll use um this kind of like gel medium that you can put with acrylic paint, you know, that makes it thicker. So you splodge it on and then it so it dries quite quickly and you've got these kind of raised shapes everywhere and it just makes the painting even more textured and, and fun. Nice.
2: So it's really sort of you're kind of building it up, it's almost collaged in that
1: sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah um, a bit of collage. So do do you have um sort of favourite subjects? I mean, behind you there, you've got a, a group of people. Do you tend to prefer to paint groups of people? Or is it, you know, what what you draw? Yeah,
1: to? I think what I realised after a while is that my favourite bit of the painting is painting the face. And so I have to kind of stop myself from doing that first, and then, you know, not wanting to do the rest. So, you know, I have to, almost like encourage myself to do lots of the background and lots of the other bits first and then you know then then I can enjoy doing the face so that's what led me on to doing these um I did a couple of these paintings of big group group scenes of of like scouts and cubs like loads and loads of them and all these little faces to paint which so I was I was really happy with that and you know I was just thinking about this painting earlier this is quite a new one but I I was just thinking I could paint family groups of people sitting on sofas all day every day I, I really love it you know it's just all these kind of relationships that you can get into and relationships between figures and color relationships and pattern coming in and out so yeah I am I love group scenes really really do but you know I've done lots of single and, and and couples as well um I seem to have painted quite a lot of um well I mean I did all these ones of, of scouts and then I've done quite a few recently of kind of guys in, in their swimming trunks standing around pools. <laughs> I've done quite a lot of those. Um and I've got lots of ideas. I've got lots of ideas of um, how to go forward. I even started experimenting with like AI because I, I I thought okay, I really I know what I want and I'm searching for it all the time. You know, I'm just trying to search for these kind of things. And it's very hard to to find the the things that you want sometimes. So I was like, well I wonder if I can tell AI to generate these things for me and see how that is so I have actually made a few AI images which I think are all right but I'm not quite sure yet the jury's out yet about whether they're worth pursuing or not but mm-hmm. it's an interesting new idea that I've got you know if, if I know I like p- women in boats and I've like mined the internet for pictures of, of vintage women in boats I've got them all but um you know for now I need AI to make me some new ones yeah. So you know that I'm sort of experimenting with that a little bit and seeing if that's a good idea or not. Not sure.
2: That's fascinating, really, because it's <laughs> uh, you know, artistic, I, you know, nature is my thing sky, sea, and stuff. So it's it's always there and it's ever changing. Um, but I guess you like you, you sort of much of your practice is this kind of mining and this hunting for for these images. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good fun. And actually I kind of thought that I'd run out of imagery from my favorite library source. Um, I thought I've seen all those videos done, but then I went back and had a look at them the other day and I realized I feel I'm in a different place now. And now I even watch the same videos again and I can get a whole new load of images from the same videos that I thought I'd already got everything from. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting what becomes important to you. And that's something that's, the choosing, isn't it? The choosing is what we can all do. You know, No matter how good you think you are at drawing or painting or colour or whatever you think you need to do to be an artist, everyone has a choice about what they want to see and what they want to depict. And that's stage one. So I think that's really interesting. You know, How do people choose things? And trusting your choice and trusting your instincts. And I don't know why I've chosen lots of these images, but sometimes, I'll paint a few pictures and you see them together and you go, ah, right, that's what that's about. And I had no idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's that whole process. And over time as well, looking back and and seeing. Simon, do do you have a question?
0: Yeah, well, we had a brief message back and forth about detail in paintings. And I was curious because I I think you do a lovely job of uh, showing almost an illusion of detail where there's there's less than what you initially see in your paintings. And I really appreciate that because I think that we don't always see sharp details in the real world. And yet in paintings, people can be inclined to render things you know, quite uh, heavily um, to beyond what is natural. And I think you've got more of a natural approach of vision is quite vague and blurry and yet we can uh, interpret the details even when they're not there. Is that something you've developed specifically so that you you're aware of the kind of vague um forms of people's characters and and things like that or is it something which you've used photoshop in order to kind of i mean i I just don't know how do you kind of get to this point where you are you have a certain amount of detail in face and yet you keep certain things uh without being over rendered does that make sense
1: yeah yeah and that's something that I'm, I'm sort of I'm trying to examine that in Brighton I'm going to do this course called the unfinished portrait which is all about how you might think about um I don't know having an unfinished painting in a way um and it's something it's it's hard it's a hard lesson because I love painting a proper portrait you know with all the details give me you know I'll even do an eyelash there you go you know just really I, I love it um but then when I look at it, I'm just always like, ah, oh, it's too much. It's too much stuff. And eyes are too looky. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't explain it, but I do, when I see, um, there seems to be quite a sort of, I don't know, is there a trend or, uh, you know, a lot of painters I like anyway, um, are excellent at doing suggested faces and not going all in on the big ice, that eye thing. And, you know, just, I don't know. I, I really appreciate that kind of slightly more mysterious, um, Because I think, as well with faces in paintings, sometimes it's difficult. um, Because you try, you sort of you you relate to people's faces. I think I started kind of learning about it like that. Is I don't want to be too descriptive. It's not about that person. Um, It's got to be more suggestive. But like I say, it's difficult because I really, really want to paint all the detail, and I have to go. and um even still I still think some of my paintings are still too
0: it's too much <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely I mean it's it's almost like Richard was saying earlier with the patterns there's certain details in some places and then others which you leave flat which I think it is a great balance it's a lovely uh kind of combination of almost design and kind of portraiture which really complement each other with this almost fauvist kind of strength of colour which is uh beautiful and i i really think uh is kind of brings out that vintage quality as well as a more contemporary approach which is uh yeah just a a lovely way of doing it and is that does it kind of help with the composition of the piece as well is it something which you think i can you know get a certain amount of detail so that the eye has things to dance around on the canvas and then spaces where it can rest as well is that a conscious thing that you you yeah
1: yeah i mean i think i'm aware that there's a lot of power in differences. So if you can have differences in detailed and unfinished, um, thin and thick, light and dark, complementary colors, these things are great for paintings. And that's a design that's kind of a graphic sensibility. Um, so maybe, you know, I kind of learned a bit of that because before I talked, this job now where I'm teaching painting, I was teaching graphic design and photography. Um, So, you know, I was quite involved in thinking about images like that. Um, So I think that's helped, you know, I know, yeah, you need, you need strong darks and you need the light lights and, you you know, complementary colours, you know, in some format do look really good together, you know, so don't be afraid to use those, those devices.
2: And is it a
1: process of working it out as you're going along? Yeah, I mean, I do do, I don't do many sketches. And Generally, I'll put the photo into Photoshop, like you saw on that YouTube video. um, And um, I'll play with the colours, I'll put filters on them and, and make sure it's got some 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 good some of those good distinctions in there and it's almost like just having that as a sort of fuzzy top layer and i'll just like judge yeah i think that's going to be all right and then um and then usually i'll go for it um if i do tend to do sketches and 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 little color studies it's always a good idea i wish i did do that all the time but sometimes i just get a bit too carried away
0: I was curious about the, uh, you mentioned Portrait Artist of the Year, and I wanted to know how that came about for you and what was your experience being involved with it?
1: Yeah, so in 2020, as we all remember, was quite an interesting year. Um, And for me, it definitely was interesting. Um, What happened for me was, was, um, first of all, I I got diagnosed with breast cancer and I I took, um, so I, I went off work. And as I went off work and got my treatment, which was all really successful and, you know, all hopefully done and good, um, I took this time off work and then everyone went into lockdown. Everyone was indoors anyway. So, you know, I didn't really miss anything, but um, I just painted portraits the whole time. And I was going out for walks with my friends and I'd take photos of them and I'd come home and just paint these portraits. I was really just into getting better at portraiture and just doing that. And I'd post them on Instagram. Um, And, oh, that's leading up to a different thing. Uh, Yeah, because I posted them on Instagram. Anyway, circuitous route, the Tate Gallery saw um, these somehow, and they asked me to do a live stream in lockdown as like a a tutorial for how to paint a portrait. So um, this was all very close together. So I think that was in the March of 21, I did this and it was like, oh God, I can't even remember how many, but I think it's been been watched by like, I don't know, 250,000 people or something now. Um, and I was just in my room painting for two hours and chatting to myself um, on live stream. But then um, I had also applied for portrait Artist of the year and I'd done a painting of myself, like just sort of uh, out of hospital um, with this kind of like drawing that you get drawn on and stuff. Um, and yeah. And so I got into that and that was like shortly after the tape thing, I went and did portrait Artist of the year and they, they film it up in, in London and yeah, it was fun it was it was interesting it was it was difficult it was um difficult to paint a picture in those circumstances as you can imagine um it was hectic and adrenaline and I just I felt like I couldn't see straight to be honest you know and the model's a bit too far away and everyone's talking to you and yeah it was it was hard but I really appreciate that show because um I really enjoy watching it I love seeing people I know and people from Instagram popping up on it and you know watching people paint portraits for a whole hour. It's just a great treat. So I was really pleased to be involved. And I was quite pleased that I did get through to the final three, but I lost out to Callum, who went on to win the whole series. So I felt all right about that.
2: Wow. <laughs> and um, with the live the live stream um, thing, so it was Cornelia Parker who, who you yeah. were painting. Um, How did did that feel? Because had you used um, sort of live streams and and Zoom before? Because I I hadn't and I I was teaching in London at the time and then suddenly lockdown came in and I was plunged into this world of Zoom and I never used it before, you know, never really FaceTimed or anything like that Mm -hmm. before and went to then teaching and running workshops on Zoom. Was it kind of like that for you as well? It was It was this
1: new thing. Yeah, I guess so. It was. I mean, but weirdly, um, it was fine. I mean, we did a test run. They sent me some kit. We did a whole test run. And so I worked out how to stand. And then I just closed the door. And I couldn't see my phone. So I couldn't see how many people were watching. I couldn't see the questions or anything like that. I, I was just concentrating on the painting. And I painted for two hours and talked for two hours. I have no idea what I talked about. <laughs> But, um, I, I had to keep reminding myself sometimes that oh you got to keep talking you're, you're you're actually doing something here you know can't just like get into the painting yeah. and so I just decided to just chat and because I think what they wanted was they wanted um, fun for people in lockdown you know so so just either they could just watch or they they wanted to paint along um, but yeah I just, I just decided to keep talking and it was it was fine and yeah it's been quite good actually lots of people said that I I had uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like calming and putting them to sleep with my voice and the painting yeah. I thought oh I can be a, a new, new Bob Ross here I am yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I, I remember them happening and a lot of people uh, joining in um, during lockdown with the Tate things that they were running um and it's it's very interesting how um arts became, I mean, Instagram and stuff like that, I, I think i would become, you know, started to become successful on Instagram um, during lockdown, because obviously people were at home or, I'm just thinking, it's, you know, with, with your work, did any of those experiences of lockdown or anything feed into your work at all?
1: Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it particularly did, you know, I mean, maybe we, if I could sit down and examine the time frame and see the sorts of paintings that I produced there, maybe I could find something. But I don't know if it, it influenced the subject matter particularly, but it, it was like for a lot of artists, it was actually a, a beneficial time for, for just being able to concentrate on the work and having the time to to play about it. You know, it really was um, good for my artistic Career, everything kind of changed, and you know, obviously, being on doing the tape thing and doing portrait arts a year was good for my Instagram following and all that sort yeah. of stuff. It all sort of started happening at that time.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I asked that because you know, your work, it, it has this kind of um, it's it's a psychology to it as well. It's a sort of this relation going on, and um, you know, I find it really. Really fascinating in that sense that you've got that there. Do you do you sort of project that into it? Do you think uh, like I'm going to create a scene in a way that sort of suggests that, or do you let the viewer um, project their own feelings <laughs> or um, own so psychodramas into it?
1: Oh, I would definitely let people do it. I've always find it hilarious when people. Um, Maybe see some of my paintings, and they go, "Oh, it's so lovely!" You know, I can see these people; they look so happy. And I'm <laughs> like, <"Mm-mm."> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not I, well, "That's not what I was not what I was seeing." Yeah. But you know, it's not like I'm thinking of things in advance. I mean, I have done that a little bit sometimes. Um, like I'm, I'm really interested in painting pregnant women at the moment, so I'm, I'm looking for, for those images. Mm. Um, but most of the time, it's the image comes first. I see it, and I go, mm, "Something happening here." don't know what it is and then I'll look back at it and I'll go oh yeah I can see what's going on there and a lot of the time it is a lot of um I'm I am really interested in gender and I'm really interested in the roles that men and women play in society and especially I think when you look back at old photographs I mean there's there's these quite distinct roles being played and there's things happening which is just so interesting um or children and families your family dynamics. Um, uh, I think is really interesting so yeah I kind of I can kind of I'm getting a bit better at being able to tell what it is about this scene that I'm interested in now but I think for a long time I really just thought I know that there's something dynamic there's some tension happening here but I don't really understand it and it's only I'm, I'm getting better at trying to interpret it as we go on yeah
2: and people will always um Sort of always see things, and I think that's a great thing about what you're painting as well. But it really is open to interpretation, uh, you know. But you know, you're you're inviting those stories, and I think uh, you know, art does that in the way um, where it the story isn't being told; it's being suggested, yeah. and you know, people, different people will go up and see completely different things, I mean, project their own
1: Oh, I, I get that quite a lot. I get people it. saying, oh, that's me and that's my mum. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they, you know, and that's why they want the painting. It's like, okay, that's great. You know, how, how could I have ever known that? Mm. But, you know, that's what they see in it. They, they get something out of, they, it reminds them of their family or their parents or whatever, you know, which is, which is lovely. Yes
2: like with the the book, um, the Italian book, you know, it it sort of fits it perfect because it sort of, you know, it suggests that there's a story here, there's an image, there's something in those images.
1: Yeah, I've just been contacted, I've had an interesting new uh, commission from a a, a record label in America, and I'm going to do an album cover for a vegan straight edge metalcore band
2: Oh, wow. Oh,
1: wow! Cool, <laughs> and that's really interesting. Like the music is crazy, like yeah. really just like noise. Um, but I love it. I love the fact that they think that my paintings could have an interesting play against that kind of thing.
0: Oh, I can so, see it. You know, I they can want something your that's
1: work got, a got
0: double it. So just like saying, a I can imagine band. it. Well, just an album cover. I can imagine your mm. work album cover <clears> it worked perfectly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm quite into it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at, at the moment, I mean, what I'm working on at the moment is um, is a big commission actually, which is why I haven't done um, much of my own work in a little while. But I'm doing these big. So I'm doing seven big paintings for Brighton College, which is a big private school here in Brighton. Um, and they're making this big new building, and they asked me to make these paintings based on their um archival photographs. So wow. that's been really wow. fun. It's been really interesting.
2: Great. We sometimes talk about this with artists when it comes to commissions. Um, It's sometimes difficult to to do because you're sort of basing it on someone else's ideal inspiration. Do you find that difficult or is it, you know, it's just another goldmine for you to to look for?
1: Well, this one has been great. They've given me completely no restrictions um you know we did some negotiation on the photographs and we kind of compromised on a couple of things but generally i'm really really happy with the the images so and then they haven't bothered me at all it's like okay go and get on with it so that's been wonderful but in the past yeah i've done commissions for people for their for their on their own family photographs and that sometimes can be more difficult because you kind of you obviously you want to get it right you want to get the atmosphere right you're not quite sure if these faces are quite right because, you know, you're looking at a blurry photograph. So that can be much more difficult. Um, not as bad as doing portraits, though, of people that you've never met before. Because I did do that for a while. You know, people sending me photographs and doing portraits. And that is tricky if you haven't, yeah. you know, especially if you've never met that person before and you just can't get it quite right. It's awful.
2: <laughs> especially from a photograph, because like you say, you don't you don't sort of get the essence of that person in, in the photograph. No, that is. Uh, do, do you ever have um, many live sitters, you know, p- people sitting there for portraits?
1: Um, I, I have done that a, a bit in the past. When I was sort of, I was doing more portraiture a few years ago, and I was sort of, I was in a little bit of a um, a junction of like, going, shall I be a portrait painter or shall I go, you know, do these more these um, sort of narrative paintings, and um, I sort of was doing lots of portraits and I would get people to sit for me especially going up to the portrait as artists of the year I was getting people to sit for me all the time and I was painting from life um and I teach life drawing as well so I actually do it every now and again anyway um and um yeah I do like a sitter but the, you know there is uh oh you know there's, there's a whole big thing you know getting them in and, and making them comfortable and then you know worrying about how they are all the time so it's um I would like to do more in the future but not at the moment, I just think I'm going to just concentrate on this kind of, where I'm going with these these photographic things for a while.
2: It's a great direction,
0: you're
1: going
0: yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> do you exhibit Thank your you. work in any galleries? Have you? Do you have any exhibitions that you're working with?
1: Um, well, I just had my first solo show in Cameron Contemporary, which is a lovely gallery here in Brighton, um, so that was in October last year. Um, so that was fabulous. And um, I've just sent two paintings over to a gallery in New York, and they're going up in a couple of weeks' time in a in a show like a small group show, and that's but that's really exciting. Um, and I've got a, a an exhibition planned in Margate in November at
0: the moment. Oh, fantastic. So what's the what is the New York one? Just so that I can put reference like links in the description of the video, so that people can have a look at your work.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a gallery called Tambouran 2, and apparently it's like right next to the, the Met. So that sounds fabulous. Oh. It's right at Central Park. Um, yeah, and I just sent sent over two, two, two kind of big paintings, and they're having a show of like five new painters that they, they maybe will work with in the future. Maybe if someone buys them, maybe they'll take a chance on me. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of a bit new to the whole gallery world Um Oh, and I've got some paintings in um, the Stratford Gallery in the Cotswolds at the moment, which is a really nice gallery. Um, I've got about five, six paintings with them at the moment.
0: Oh, fantastic. That's wonderful. And as far as online space, do you have a website? I mean, is there anything that you want to, where, where should people go to support you in your work and see your work in case this is the first time they're uh, introduced to you?
1: Okay, yeah, so um, I do have a website. And I'd love it if people would sign up to my mailing list, because that means that I can tell you about exhibitions and workshops and interesting things that are happening. So, yeah, I've got the website and then obviously Instagram.
0: That's wonderful. So you don't do uh, YouTube videos anymore. Is that something which you?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, my YouTube channel, I was a bit like, oh, no, don't tell people about that. <laughs> <laughs> because Basically, it was just a place for me to deposit um, a lot of um, little tutorials that I was making for students Um when it was like lockdowns and stuff so they're, they're quite rough and they're they're like kind of put together quite quickly they're not very professional um <laughs> so some you great know. information in them okay <laughs> <laughs> but you know i probably could do with a bit more kind of um technological know-how to make them better maybe I maybe i'll do some more another time
0: <laughs> wonderful well it's been lovely talking to you i'll put links in the description of this video for everything um as far as your exhibitions physically your online um your website and your instagram i'll leave off the youtube if you want but so that people aren't directed <laughs> there until you're ready yeah
1: don't, don't look at that yeah
0: but yeah i'm glad to to have you on you've been a fantastic guest thank you for, for talking to us thanks amy
1: oh. nice to meet you yeah you too thanks guys